Thank you for tuning in to Pulp Fliction. I'm your host, Grant Grubbs. And Evan Dearborn. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 18 of Pulp Fliction. This week, we'll be talking about our favorite performances. Yeah, I'm excited. This is, uh, this one, I can't believe we haven't done this topic already, to be honest. Yeah, I know. It's one of those, it's like, it, sh- it should always be one of your first ones. First, it goes your top 10 movies, and then your favorite performances, then your favorite yeah, actors. I mean, th- at this point, I think we're just becoming welcome to watch Mojo. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have exhausted the top 10 list right now. We had to give you guys a break. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we, so we gave you two unique ones. Mm-hmm. Now we're back to our bread and butter, baby. That's right. That is right. Giving you a nice classic uh, go-to podcast topic. But, you know, at the same time, I think a lot of people enjoy these kind of ones. They have their own uh, favorite performances of all time. So we're definitely excited to get into that main segment eventually here today. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be one where, uh, you know, people are going to roast us because everyone feels so strongly about their top 10 favorite performances yeah, or I about mean, one or two specific ones. Th- there's a million performances out yeah. there, guys, so please be merciful. <laughs> we are guaranteed to forget some. We mm-hmm. were born in the 2000s, so I know you're 1946. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, you know, I, I listen. We, we've only can see so much in our lifespan, Correct. so uh, we're going to do our best here. Uh, but as always, before we get into that, we're going to do our uh, what we watched this past week and kind of give you guys a quick review of it. And, uh, you know, per usual, Evan, start us off. Yeah, so this week I uh, watched a TV show on Amazon Prime. Grant, you actually recommended it to me. I did? Yeah, Invincible. You watched it? I watched all of season one. How did you not tell me about this? Dude, it was incredible. I watched a lot of it whenever I was back home uh, this weekend. Okay. And listen, after that first episode, you told me there was a a twist. I'm pissed you haven't even talked to me about this. I wanted to save it for the podcast, but this show, honestly, I mean, it's hard to actually like feel the, uh, like the weight of a performance through a, uh, like an animated, like a voiceover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Stephen Yin and uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, it's absolutely incredible what yeah. what they do. Especially, especially Stephen Yin, uh, his performance through he's the main character. Yeah, uh, voices the main character in the show. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like certain times, you can just hear his like pain or rage coming through. Uh, it's one of the best animated anything i've ever watched yeah and i think season two is coming out uh here shortly but it's free on amazon prime i recommend it to anybody around the age of uh 20 22 yeah. years old yeah. yeah around our age guys will like it it's kind of like comic booky but yes pretty gory and crazy and just unexpected it's, yeah it's got a lot of twist uh i definitely would uh say it's really good as well mm-hmm. uh as far as other movies i watched i watched uh wind river which I've heard incredible things about. Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, yeah. Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye teaming up for a movie. I know. And listen, that, I'm slowly becoming a fan of Jeremy Renner after seeing him and like things like Arrival, even in like the movie Dahmer in 2002. Yeah, the guy knows how to quietly pick up some really good roles. He really does. And then, I mean, even in, in the town, I mean, the guy, he's he's really got a lot of substance to himself. He's not just Hawkeye, which a lot of these Marvel characters, they're just, they're one, they're just, they're superhero and that's yeah. it, you know, but I really like uh, Jeremy Renner 
And that is uh, definitely evident in Wind River. His character has a lot of depth. The movie as a whole, I really enjoy. It was a four out of five stars for me. Uh, Taylor Sheridan, I mean, I'm excited to see his movies here coming up. I think he's he's riding that high of Yellowstone. So I hope he doesn't kind of like just tail off now after creating Yellowstone and 1883. I mean, yeah, he's made – he was the same guy who made Hell or High Water as well. Um, yeah, he's definitely – he has like a very – distinguishable voice yeah like you can know it's his movie when you're watching it yeah i know i didn't even know who directed this at first and then i was like gosh this reminds me just of hell or high water like the <laughs> characters yeah. and then at the very end of the movie it says taylor sheridan i'm like this makes perfect sense it all adds up yeah uh but yeah good movie i recommend it so it's, it's a little tough it's got some uh pretty hard concepts in it but uh it's a it's a nice watch uh, and then lastly i watched donnie brasco which is a mob movie with Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. Now, okay, never mind. I was getting that mixed up with The Insider, which yes. is another Al Pacino film. But yeah, I haven't seen Donnie Brasco. Uh, what would you think of it, dude? It was it was a good watch. You know, I think there it was really weird because the dialogue it's got extremely strong dialogue. I love the writing in it. Uh, the one thing about it is like technically, like it wasn't like. They, there was like a shootout scene and someone would get shot, but like no blood would show up anywhere and they would just like fall over. <laughs> Interesting. It literally looked like a stage play you'd put on in like sixth grade or something <laughs> like that. It was, it was so weird to watch. And I was like, this kind of just made me like, it's not exactly your Scorsese. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mobster movie. Yeah. Which, you know, that's me just being selfish and me being, you know, just uh, spoiled with, uh, with Scorsese yeah. movies. All Evan's place. just slowly releasing his bloodlust on the podcast, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, no. It's fine. I'm comfortable. Listen, you watch you watch this movie, and you'll understand. You'll be like, "What in the world? I mean, what what is going on here?" Look, I'm right there with you, man. We need that taxi driver ending scene type stuff. Oh gosh. Oh baby. <laughs> Don't get us started. Oh goodness. But yeah, that's what I watched this week. Uh, Grant, what did you watch this week? Uh, what I watched this week was I did, like I stated previously, watch part two of the Kanye documentary. Mm. Uh, so you know, continuously uh, is still good. I, I will say I didn't like part two as much as part one, and I have a feeling I'm not going to like part three as much as I like part two. But because yeah. uh, now it's kind of catching up to modern times, and, you know, <laughs> this guy, let, let's be real, Kanye is just kind of crazy. Uh, but part one was really, really good. Uh, as far as movies go, I was relatively busy. I didn't get to watch too much, but I did watch. Uh, I finished it today. Uh, it's called Francis Ha. It's by Noah Baumbach. I believe... I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it was his first feature film. Uh, it was actually written by him and Greta Gerwig, his current, like, I don't know if partner. she's technically his, Yeah, partner, yeah. significant other. Uh, and she's the main actor in it. Uh, she does a really good job. It, it's interesting to see her in that role now that she's directed big films like Little Women and Lady Bird. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was a very intimate kind of just stream of consciousness movies, which I tend to feel a lot of Noah Baumbach movies are. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily to find plot, but just kind of carried by its dialogue. Um, it it wasn't necessarily like my favorite film, especially of his, but I think part of that was just the relatability of it wasn't for me. I mean, it's about a girl who's in her 20s, unemployed, traveling through New York. Uh, I think a lot of people who are from uh, that kind of age group and that area would really relate to it. Um, I could still admire the dialogue and good kind of uh, themes in it, but 
it didn't necessarily connect emotionally for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you went around campus here and you showed anybody, like any girl on campus that movie, yeah. they'd be like, dude, this is literally just my life. Yes. I, they, they definitely could connect a lot more, especially because a lot of it's about a friendship between two girls. And for me, I'm like, uh, why aren't they talking about who would win between a gorilla and a bear? I mean, this is, this is the boy talk. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they're they're you know discussing things that don't necessarily apply to me. Uh, but either way, it was still a good watch, and I'm glad to knock it off uh, my list for watching Bombax's filmography. Yeah, I definitely feel like I need to catch up as well because, I mean, I think he's one of those guys that his movies are so, like, it's just based off like, over experience and experience. And as he gets older, he's going to keep reflecting back on his life, therefore making more movies. And, I mean, the guy is a genius. He's he's getting nominated every single time that he uh, comes out with a movie. So I'm really excited for what he has coming next. Yeah, I, I can't say with 100% certainty that Bombach isn't just walking around with a wire on and <laughs> writing down these conversations. Honestly. It's very possible. Uh, all right, yeah, those were our kind of what we watched this past week. This That was pretty quick this time around. Yeah. But, you know, when we're doing our top ten favorite performances of all time, we got a lot to talk about. Yep. So, without further ado, we're going to hop over into the main segment. See you there. All right, thank you for joining us here in the main segment. Uh, like we discussed, we're going to be discussing our top ten favorite performances of all time. Now, like I said, this is our favorite performance of all time. So it's not necessarily when you look it up on a website, what it's going to list. And obviously we're not going to include things that we haven't watched because we keep it real here at Pulp Fiction. Yeah. We Uh, we could lie to you guys and say, oh, I mean, Jimmy Stewart from uh, this movie that he did in like 1930 was (laughs) absolutely ridiculous. One example would be neither of us have seen Sophie's Choice, which a ton of people consider Meryl Streep in that not only one of the greatest performances of all time, but probably the greatest female performance of all time. Neither of us has seen it. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to lie and put it high up on our list. Um, but we definitely have it on our watch list. And maybe in you know a year from now, we can come back and do this exact thing, and our list could be completely changed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, this is our top ten favorite performances. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous for this one, Ev. I think they're will be a lot of variability here. Yeah, I definitely think that there's going to be a little bit of discrepancy between what I think is really good, what you think is really good. As, you know, it's kind of been, I think the listeners know that you're a little bit more, you know, critical of movies whenever it comes to, like, thinking of, like, oh, that was a great performance. For me, I'm just like, hey, did I like what was on the screen? Hey. Yeah. Don't, then we'll don't, go for don't it. sell yourself short of. No, I have to. Just just in case, just in case this is a really oh, bad so list. so you're just setting me up to <laughs> get burned at the stake? What's going I'm, on here? I'm pushing all the fire over to your side. All right, fair enough. I, I, I'll bear it for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ev, you know, you know, you got to start it off. Well, actually, should we do just a quick list of a few honorable mentions if yeah. you have any? Yeah, we can give a, uh, just a few honorable mentions here. All right, Ev, you want to start that? Yeah, so uh, one or an honorable mention is that I have is Adam Driver and uh, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to say it now. I also would include those in my honorable mention. Yep. Uh, I got Amy Adams in Arrival. Absolutely incredible performance. Uh, John Malkovich in The Line of Fire. Have you ever seen that? I have not. It's just a really good movie. I actually highly recommend it. I think you'd like it. It's got Clint Eastwood in it. Our boy. Okay. And then uh, 
you got uh gosh miles teller in whiplash jk simmons was, in whiplash. i was very close to putting miles teller on my uh list here dude they were they were just right up on there and then jake gyllenhaal in nightcrawler those are some of my uh, very good honorable mentions now i'm excited to hear your top 10 i'm i'm nervous i'm nervous if I might make it like a switch at the end of it. I don't know. I'm I'm very I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in my list right now. That's 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 all right. Uh, as far as mine goes, I have uh, for my honorable mentions, Joaquin Phoenix and the Master, and Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. Yeah, or just Joker. Uh, I have Ryan Gosling from Blue Valentine. Uh, <laughs> that's I a good, ha- one. good yeah. choice right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I thought about putting Michelle Williams as one of my. Yeah, I mean, she's right there, too. Incredible. She's just as good, if not better, than him in it. Um, I have Mahershala Ali from Moonlight. He, I, I struggle to put him on there because he doesn't play a huge role in that film, but what he did I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have uh, Vince Castle from La Hine, which is that French film. Uh, he is phenomenal and so believable in that movie. All right. Those are our honorable mentions. Yeah, those are some good ones. I'm excited for this list now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just just giving you a taste yeah, of yeah. the greatness that's coming. <clears throat> Start me off with your number 10, Ev. All right. At number 10, I've got Maria Falconetti from The Passion of Joan of Arc. Oh, my gosh. You went with it? I went with it, yeah. Dude, I didn't tell you that I uh, – I said that in one of the after shows, I think it was like two episodes ago, that I said I was going to watch it. You did tell me you watched it. And I did. And, listen, it was – hard like for me to actually you know like critically like review this movie just because it's a silent film uh like the the music in it is absolutely beautiful but it's it's hard for me to be like all right I have to read the dialogue on the screen but the performance that Maria Falconetti puts on playing Joan of Arc is absolutely ridiculous I mean this woman looking uh I mean playing the the, the amount of fear that she has while she's on trial. Yeah. Dude, it is just, it's probably one of the most believable performances I've ever seen in my life, even though it was made in 1927. This is just ridiculous. It is interesting because when you look at silent films, they almost tend to overact. Yeah. Which they kind of had to do because, you know, there's no dialogue, obviously. Uh, but at times, it can come off as really cheesy. But then there was those few special people like her, Charlie Chaplin, and uh, the others who, I mean they really just almost put on even better performances without sound. Yeah. I mean, it's, she definitely steps up to the plate and it's almost like, uh, I try to think of like actors now, if they would be able to do these silent films. And it's hard to say that they, they could just because it takes such, uh, the, the way, like the cadence and the ability to like manipulate your voice. Uh, yeah. That is I, what kind of makes great actors nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, watching uh, Falconetti during this this movie, the there's one specific scene where she's just glaring up a, a slightly above the camera, and her eyes just s- start like they slowly just look at like this glare, and then tears just start rolling down her face. Oh, that's amazing! And I got goosebumps watching <laughs> it. I was like, "What in the world is this movie doing to me?" It's, it's almost a hundred years older than I am. I love whenever. Uh, directors kind of play with eyes like that and mm-hmm. it just slowly uh you know hits the camera right by it uh it's always genius stuff that y- what you were saying about the thing made me it rem- reminded me of a line and she was also nearly uh i forget the actress's name she's in um 
uh, Gloria Swanson, but it's in the old movie Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. and it's about an uh, actress who was a silent film actress, but she kind of got pushed out of Hollywood once they transitioned to sound because I think her voice was annoying. <laughs> and uh, she says, I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting take on the whole silent film era and the transition. Yeah, something to, something to think about there, guys. Yeah, we're philosophical guys here. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you got at number 10, Grant? My number 10, and I've discussed this performance before, uh, so I won't dive too deep into it, but it's Jim Carrey and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. Uh I love this performance. I think his pro- portrayal of like just depression is amazing. You, um, it's not like overdone, but he plays just such a dragging down character. Uh, and I don't know, it, it's something cool too. I think it kind of gives props whenever a comedy actor can come over and do something like that. Uh, like Steve Carell and Foxcatcher, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, but I think Jim Carrey and Eternal Sunshine. Uh, don't you mine. mean Uncut Gems? <laughs> <laughs> All our boomer <laughs> listeners right now are like, "What?" I'm so sorry, guys. I had to. It's a meme, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> shout out Julia Fox, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's amazing in it. Uh, so is Kate Winslet, but I just. I don't know. There's something special about his performance. He he plays sadness so well. And, uh, I mean, it's also very easy to kind of, with that plot, be very emotional with all the different dream sequences and stuff like that. I just think it was the perfect role and the perfect actor to play it. Yeah, I think that, you know, I still have, have yet to see this movie. But, I mean, I essentially know everything that happens. In yeah. it. The amount of times I've talked about it with <laughs> Yeah. But <laughs> Evan's just, I mean, he's living... Uh, Never mind. I, 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 I forget the word I was going to say. So let's just move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, you know, there's a, like, the, the way that this movie is, like, you have confusion because you're going through this this uh, therapy, I guess, is however you call it. Yeah, it's it. like a... This treatment. Yeah. And then you, you're, like, trying to figure out, like, what you want to do with your future, but then you realize, like, your past is getting swept away so you can do whatever you want with your future. Then you're like, oh, snap, never mind, I want this girl back. So. Yeah. Yes. It's, like, having to portray that... On the screen, especially as a guy that's known for being like the the Duke ball, <laughs> yeah, Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yeah. I mean, come on now. It's just it's ridiculous to see that that he was able to to uh, to actually like put this on the screen and people talk about it. I mean, it's one of those that's like the perennial like top twenty five performances of all time. Either Kate Winslet or Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, Ev, what's your number nine? At number nine, I've got Matt Damon in The Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, you're you're shocking me with some of these picks right now. Dude, uh, this is one of those movies that actually got me into watching film because I, uh, like, actually, like, thinking about it more than just, like, saying, oh, that was a good movie. Because I watched this one time, and I was like, what the dump did I just watch? I was like, <laughs> this is the worst movie ever. And then somehow I ended up watching it just a couple uh, – a couple weeks ago and I was like, dude, this movie has so much more depth to it and seeing Matt Damon, uh, be able to manipulate his, uh, himself in every single conversation that he has Mm -hmm. in order to be Dickie Greenleaf, this guy that has everything that he's ever wanted. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. And also, uh, I mean, this movie is just star studded with performances. It's got, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, who's incredible in it. Uh, Jude law, who, if, he would have been in the movie a little bit longer. 
then I would have absolutely loved to have put the, put him on this uh, wow. this list. I mean, you know it's a good performance if you're the supporting actor in it and you make it on a list. Yeah. He actually he got nominated for pretty much every single uh, – like all the award shows for supporting act, actor in it. And you also had like Kate Blanchett – and then Philip Seymour Hoffman, who just played like this, just douchebag that just wanted to get every single girl. It was I mean, that's star-studded. It was incredible. But the fact that Matt Damon, as in 1999, he was able to, you know, he's somewhat young. He had already done Goodwill Hunting, but like he wasn't the Matt Damon that we know of today. Yeah, and he was able to steal a show. Just absolutely ridiculous. He he definitely started off his career hot. I yeah, mean, it, it, it's he still does really good stuff, but uh, sometimes I'd love to see him play a role like that again. Yeah, honestly, I think that he kind of has these like little five year ruts where he just does nothing. Yeah, he does suburbia and yeah, uh, downsizing. Yeah, <laughs> like just dear God, <laughs> come on, uh, Matt. Yeah, he's on the upswing. He did The Martian. He did Interstellar. Yeah. You know, he's all right. Yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. Hopefully, he uh, doesn't just turn into an absolute whack job like Jack Nicholson. Hey, did but hold up. You're not going to disrespect Jackie, boy. All right. I won't. I won't. I'm sorry. The dude's just a loon, though. And you may see an appearance from that guy. I was I was expecting one from you. not going to lie. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, tell me what your number nine is. My number nine. And uh, this isn't where most, the film most people would have him for. But it's Marlon Brando. And it's on the waterfront. Mm. Uh, this is an older film, black and white. Uh, you know, he's he. A lot of people, I think, would uh, give him this for his performance in The Godfather, uh, which I was definitely very close to. But yeah, I mean, his just the the guy has swagger in the film. He he's got he's an old boxer, uh, yet he's got this kind of emotional undertone to him, and he he kind of just wants to figure out where he's supposed to be. A lot of people expect him to be a gangster. Uh, and that's just not who he is. And he meets this girl. Uh, of course, you know, you got to have your romance in there. Right. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. He plays so many sides of himself. And it has one of the best monologues of all time, which they actually reference in the movie Raging Bull, where he says, is talking to his brother. And he's like, I could have been a contender. I could have been someone. Uh, it's a famous, famous monologue. And Marlon Brando, really, in my opinion, at his best. Yeah. I've only seen, I have not even seen like Godfather all the way through just because it's such a long movie. I've seen every single I'm bit of it. I'm going to throw up. But in, <laughs> from like start to finish, I've yet to see it. It's just one of those ones that's hard for me to sit down and actually watch. I want to, super bad. I, I think it's a great film. But like even then you can see that he's Marlon Brando. I mean, he's the king at the time. I'm going to make a month off. Can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Look what they did to my boy. <laughs> We're about, we're about to get copyrighted. This I know, is, I know. It's too it's too close. Yeah, too spot on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, on, on the waterfront, I'm looking at it. it actually, has I mean, it's a 99 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So that gum that tells you anything. Made in 1954, absolute classic. Check it out for those of you who haven't. Yeah, Marlon Brando. He's I mean, he's the king of the time before like Robert De Niro kind of took him over. Yeah, a lot of people still consider him the greatest actor of all time. Yep. All right, Ev. What is your, are we at number, number eight? eight? What's your number eight? Number eight, I've got Philip Seymour Hoffman from The Master. Wow, Master appearance did make it all. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, it's hard to, to choose between Joaquin Phoenix or Philip Seymour Hoffman from this movie. 
But uh, I think that it's too easy. I mean, the Joaquin Phoenix uh, part was kind of just, like, laid up to him. Mm-hmm. He has to play like a psychopath. Joaquin Phoenix is already just an absolute <laughs> goober just in real life. But uh, I'm thinking of one specific scene where – uh, I'm wondering if it's the same scene I'm thinking of. The one where they're in the boat and they're getting just absolutely just dirt drunk. And no, that's not the scene I'm thinking okay. of, but that is a good scene. But they're just both talking to each other and Walking Phoenix, like he thinks that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's like messing around and stuff. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just like making stuff, making them sound so grandiose. Then like he actually like starts digging at him and Joaquin starts crying. Philip Seymour Hoffman just starts going at him and you look like you think that you're actually about to witness like an absolute murder in real life. These people look like they hated each other at this time. It was just absolutely in, insane. Uh, and then just throughout this film, you can see that I mean, he plays the uh, it's the leader of Scientology, the Scientology yeah. church, yeah. right? So it's, it's essentially it's a cult, and he has his control over all the people within this community. And you can see that. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman, he just creates this control with his words and how he's able to so elegantly manipulate conversations mm-hmm. into making it seem like you have to follow him, otherwise your life has no purpose. Yeah, he ma- he makes them feel loved, but all at the same time, he plays this like master manipulator so well. Dude, it's gosh, I mean, this performance is absolutely incredible. This is another one of those movies that I watched. I watched this movie and Talents and Mr. Ripley in the same week. Dear God, I remember that. It was like it was like three years ago. That's heavy. And I was like, dude, maybe maybe these movies have a little bit more than what I'm what I'm thinking about. I might do it, dude. It was, it's one of those movies I need to go back and watch. But this movie, The Master, also is just such a heavy film. It is, and it's not a film that I think a lot of people who watch it will like. Yeah. Uh, personally, even I didn't love it, but the technicality of it is one of. The best I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I mean that with all seriousness. And the acting is some of the best I've ever seen. This movie also has, like we already mentioned, Joaquin Phoenix. But Amy Adams, mm-hmm. who's, I think, one of the best working actresses today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just top-notch stuff. There's multiple scenes that could like show up on any acting compilation. Uh, the prison scene where they're yelling at each other. Yeah. Um, I, I think you were referencing the... Are you referencing the scene where, like... I forget what they call it, but basically he's like programming him. Yes. And asking yeah. him. It's like the very beginning whenever Joaquin, he's been there for like two weeks. And then uh, Hoffman was like trying to figure out if he actually needs, like if he should be a part of this church, like yes. if, if it should be like, I don't know. It's called like he's conditioning him. Conditioning. There That's we go. There we yeah, go. Shout out Dr. Kim for teaching us. Yeah, that. my man. <laughs> uh, yeah, the scene that really sticks out for me in that film of Philip Seymour Hoffman is the scene whenever a man kind of challenges his authority and like the ideas because he's such a good salesman. Yeah. And everybody just buys into what he says, even though it's pretty crazy stuff. And uh, they're at like a dinner party sort of moment. And typically he's so calm and collected. And this one guy just slightly kind of critiques him or asks him. Mm-hmm. And Philip Seymour Hoffman just has such an intensity about him. Uh, he, he's an amazing actor, R.I.P. Uh, but, yeah, he's fantastic in that film. Yeah, for sure. I, I It's one of those movies you have to mentally prepare yourself for. But it is just star-studded. It's also got Jesse Plemons from Friday Night Lights in it. Oh, boy. Just, right. just a little extra right. incentive let, let, there. Let, let's, let's move it on. Yeah, well, tell me your number eight. I'm sorry I had to ruin the moment there. <laughs> My number eight, and we already mentioned this. She 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 earned her spot here. 
Michelle Williams, mm. Blue Valentine. Oh, okay. I got you. I got uh, you. Yeah, I, I actually put her performance slightly over Ryan Gosling, and I think Ryan Gosling's performance is one of the greatest of all time, Blue Valentine. Mm. But um, Michelle Williams is just so grounded and realistic. Like, you just believe that she's, like, this 35-year-old mom taking care of a kid. Like, uh, her connection with – the kid during their kind of divorce arguments. I mean, she is just amazing in this film. Um, and I, I would completely buy it if she had been in this and they did it like a documentary. I, I would believe it. Yeah, she really like she is so monotone, which is almost makes it look like she's not even acting. But at the same time, it's so hard to like. Uh, it, it's so difficult to explain just because it's so real. That's like, you're like, all right, she's just acting like a, like a 35-year-old woman. <laughs> but it's so easy to overact in those situations where you're trying to pretend to just be this normal person. Yeah. Where it looks like it's just so unbelievable. But Michelle Williams, I mean, her her performance is, is one that I think about often where I'm like, gosh, how did she make me want like hate her so much while watching this movie? Where I'm like, you know, it's Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. But it's just these, you know, just two regular 35 to 40-year-old uh, couple. I mean, I've heard before the best compliment you can give an actor is that you forget that they're acting. Yeah. And in this performance, that's exactly what happened. The way she talks to Ryan Gosling feels like they've been in a mar- as a married couple for 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the way she talks to the kid, it feels like she's her mom. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a performance that's really hard to put into words. Yeah. Um, but when you watch it, you just feel the naturality of it and, uh, it kind of explains itself really. Yeah, for sure. And she does something similar to that in, uh, Manchester by the sea as well. Yeah, She's just a phenomenal actress. And I think one of the most underrated actresses. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You don't really see her in a ton of movies. I think she picks her part as very, very particularly. She definitely does. Evan, we're, we're, we're getting closer here. What's your number seven? Number seven is a uh, is a performance that I raved about a couple of weeks ago. It's Al Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon. Wow. See, I thought I was like, I wonder if Ev will put this on there because I know you didn't love Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, but you n- did n- give props to Al Pacino. Yeah, I mean, like I said in uh, in my review of it, I was like, this movie would be absolute dog water <laughs> if Al Pacino was not in here. But seeing him just run around like a crazy man who literally, I mean, he's just not a smart guy, but he's trying to. He's uh, seeing, like, the cops make him think that he's a really smart guy. He has mm-hmm. total control of the situation. And him ch- kind of have that false uh, sense of security and him be like, oh, I'm putting on this this show for all these people out here. And then, oh, dude, it's just Al Pacino, he's absolutely incredible. I haven't seen a lot of his movies until these past couple of weeks. And even, like, Donnie Brasco, he was absolutely uh, incredible. And I was thinking of either this performance or uh, Donnie Brasco and putting in there. But I think seeing that kind of over-the-top acting is really what kind of uh, did it in for me for uh, for Dog Day Afternoon, especially because, you know, the movie really was just driven by his performance alone. Yeah, it's – it's. I mean, it's like a one-man act. I mean, It honestly it, is. It's like a one-man stage play. I mean, I know there's other people, but I would love to see, like, the percentage of dialogue that's him. Yeah. Because – and the amount of screen time. I don't know if there's a scene where he's not on the – uh, screen. Yeah, off off my off the top of my head, there's not there's only one that I'd say, and that's whenever they might cut to the cops. Yeah, they're cutting to the cops talking to his wife. Yeah, 
uh, trying to get them to talk to talk to him on the phone. Then even then, I mean, as soon as he's on the screen, he just steals a show. It's yeah. it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it feels like I mean, you know, a guy's good when every single moment they're not off the screen. All you're thinking about is when is this person going to come back right. on? Yeah, uh, and that that's definitely him in that film. Uh, and kind of like you mentioned, he's playing like <laughs> there. There's just layers to this mm. role. Uh, it's a dumb guy who thinks he's a smart guy mm-hmm. who the cops treat him like, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, uh, you know, there's a reason Al Pacino is one of the best of all time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, uh I just hate that he ruined it with Jack and Jill. That was my first experience <laughs> with Al Pacino. <laughs> what you want, Al Pacino? <laughs> or, wait, no, 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 wait. I don't know. I just, I just, I see Dunkin' Donuts in my nightmares yeah. because of that man. Dude. Oh gosh, yeah, I, I I hate that poor Al, but you know, yeah. <laughs> Tell me what your number seven is, Grant. My number seven, and this I talked to you about before the podcast. Uh, I think this is one that I would be burned at the stake if I didn't put on here. Um, it is Heath Ledger Joker. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people, especially just casual like fans of movies say it's the greatest performance of all time. Well, I don't have it that high. I do think it's undeniably uh, right up there. It may be the best supporting actor role of all time. Uh, I believe he won best supporting actor for this role. Yep. Uh, you know, post, however you say. Uh, Post-mortem? Yeah. Or, no. Like posthumous. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Something yes, like that. Yeah, or yeah. whatever. I just said that completely wrong. God bless you. <laughs> Sorry for screwing that up. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I have memories with this where it's like, I think it was a very impactful moment for me in film. I was probably, I think came out in 2008, so I was probably like seven. Um, my parents dropped us off at our grandparents that night, uh, and they went and saw The Dark Knight. And when they came back, it's like they had seen someone get killed or something. I just think the performance had struck them so much. My dad was like awestruck by it and was like, wow, that was so dark, but so crazy. And the Joker. And I just remember my mom being like disturbed and terrified, (laughs) the sweet lady. Um, But yeah, I think even though I didn't know at the time that may have had a big impact on me that films can, uh, you know, affect people like that. And, you know, now seeing it for myself and seeing it multiple times, it, it was everything as good as advertised. Yeah, this is uh, one of those that I I, I should have put it on my honorable mentions, but it's not on my top ten actually. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, the the reason I'm just gonna sit here and pray, <laughs> start praying for you, Evan. Yeah, I mean, I'm about to absolutely just get destroyed. Uh, people, people. Oh dear God, there's a crowd already <laughs> gathered with pitchforks <laughs> outside our door. We're in trouble. Yeah, I just it's one of those that I really wish that one he would have had. His own movie. Maybe that's just me being so stupid and me being just absolutely uh, just manipulated by uh, by Marvel, thinking that every single villain needs to have their own movie now. But I think that he should have had more screen time because whenever he was on screen, it was absolutely like you Electric. were you were paid, paying attention yeah. to Joker and what he was doing, just because he was so like freaky. He was so otherworldly. But he was like this human being that had been wrong. He was manipulating every single person he was talking to. And he was just, I mean, he was just a a terrorist who he had people that were uh, agreeing with him because he had, he manipulated conversation 
it's making it think that like, hey, this guy, you know, maybe maybe he's got a point, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is just horrible. But that's just the way that, you know, the world world works. And the way that, you know, the fact that he was able to portray that is absolutely incredible. I'm sorry that I'm not giving this a lot Evan, of respect here. The only way this can get worse for you is, and I have a feeling you're going to do it, is you're going to have Joaquin Phoenix's Joker on your list. And, you know, I pray for you if you do that, because good God, people are going to be in a riot. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I guess we will. <laughs> Uh, this, this podcast just got terrifying to be a part of, but, uh, all right. Yeah. Let's just, let's just move on from that. Yeah. Evan, what's your number six? So at number six, I've got Joaquin Phoenix playing. I'm just messing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, that didn't take long. No, no, I'm just playing. Uh, I've got number six. You got Jimon Hanshu, uh, in the movie Blood Diamond. Another one you saw recently. Another movie I just saw recently. Maybe it's recency bias, or maybe I'm just trying. I'm actually looking for performances now more than I am just looking at how a movie is, uh, how a movie is entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dude, I mean, this is one of those movies where I feel like this was made specifically for Jimon Hanshu. I mean, his ability to like, he has so much depth because he, uh, like, he's loyal to Leo. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie and he also like he has the ability to completely change his family's life all he has to do is just like you know shoo Leo away but he has uh, like he is he's has a lot of commitments to his uh, life I'm trying not to give give away too much <laughs> yeah you're speaking very vaguely here. yeah I am because I think this is a movie that you need to watch but like prepare yourself because blood diamond right yeah blood diamond yeah it's about the African Civil War and it has it's a horrific movie. I'm pretty sure there's like over like a thousand deaths in this movie. It's absolutely insane. Has has there been a kill count on this? On no, YouTube? but I think that there needs. He to be needs one. to hop on that. James A. Janice needs to hop on this. <laughs> now, is he a supporting actor in this film? Or I think he's technically the supporting actor because they gave it to to Leo, which is stupid. He has way more uh, screen time than Leo does. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't. Th- think that he won a I don't even think he got nominated for this honestly the disrespect dude it's absolute it's just absolute uh tomfoolery it really is but <laughs> that's just the way the academy is I, mean, I don't think that we need to place much faith in what they have sometimes they get it right yeah I mean they got the freaking power of the dog you know nominated 12 times give me a break yeah just ridiculous they don't have any at uh best director it, it's just filth but yeah. uh yeah this is one of those performances he also is in Gosh, what what else is he in? in? In America is another movie where he was a supporting actor. He's in Gladiator, too. He's in Gladiator as well, yeah. Which I think probably most people will know him from. Yeah, and he's just, I think this dude, he's not in a lot of performances. I think that he just likes the movie. Like I think he likes to hear the pitch, and if it's something that he can see himself in, then he puts it. He doesn't want to do just a cash grab, which yeah. I appreciate, you know. I agree. Uh. So, yeah, what do you have at number six? My number six, and, I mean, gosh, I just feel like a basic person right now, but it's it's Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's not much to say about it. It's one of the best films of all time. Everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. Uh, Tom Hanks plays, you know, you want to talk about a layered performance. He plays a guy who's not very intelligent, 
uh, but is extremely lovable. Uh, a guy who, you know, does everything on earth, basically. Uh, he has some super great lines. He has to be, you know, dumbly happy and then also, like, be able to grab your emotions when he's crying on screen. Uh, this 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 uh, role just has so much range to it, and it's one of those performances that can probably get me two or three times every time I watch the movie in tears. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just the, the amount of innocence that he has to portray on the screen is just is insane. It, it, I think that's something that's really hard to do. Uh, it looks like it'd be easy because you're just like, oh, you just have to act like a dude with a learning disability. Yeah. But, I mean, guys, this guy has to act like this the entire time. This is a guy that Tom Hanks, probably one of the best to ever do it. And he has to go through from, like, the age of, like, what was he, like, 18? Because he was, like, right in, like, high school, yeah. like, at the end of high school. Probably. Up until he's, like, what, like? Probably 45 45? I mean, he has to be able to per- portray that, and that's just ridiculous. But yeah, he's uh, fantastic in it. Um, I, it's another one where he really carries the movie. I mean, the movie is literally named after his character. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, it's such a diverse setting uh, from literally high school to war to, mm-hmm. I mean, it follows the man's life. So I think it's still Tom Hanks' best performance of all time. And I think it's right up there as one of the greatest ever. Yeah. Um, Evan, hit me with your number five. Number five, I've got Margot Robbie and I, Tanya. Wow. Yeah. I, I saw this on a few lists, but I haven't seen I, Tanya, so I couldn't, you know, validify that for myself. Well, I think this is one where Margot Robbie it does everything, where she plays like this, you know, beautiful woman as she is. She goes into this person that like is a fierce competitor, stops at nothing to win or nothing to. Lo- I messed that up. Moving on, <laughs> <laughs> we get you. Yeah, and then she, you know, has everything taken away from her. And there's one specific scene. Where it's like, kind of like film, like a mockumentary mm-hmm. almost, but it's like a documentary of Tanya Harding, who's a real figure skater. Yeah, and her. There's this one specific scene where she just starts crying, but she's trying to hold it together. And I'm like, dude. I think I've seen that. Is she, like, looking in a mirror? Yeah. Okay, that's, like, one of the only <sighs> scenes from the film I've seen. Dude, it is insane. And then there's uh, a specific, like, scene where she is with her husband, and there's this interaction that they have that's just in absolute insanity. Like, her ability to just make it seem like you're not even watching a movie, like you're actually witnessing what's happening. I won't spoil it for you just because it's absolutely just a gripping scene. I appreciate that. Hey, man, no problem. <laughs> but, yeah, Margot Robbie absolutely killed it. This solidified her as just more than just, uh, you know, typical, uh, uh, a typical beautiful actress. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly like you said there at the end. We've discussed it before, but we do think she probably gets a little underrated simply because mm-hmm. people think – the only reason she's successful is because of how attractive she is. But she is undeniably one of the best actresses in the game today and deserves to be recognized as such. Yeah. So, Grant, what do you got number five? Entering my top five, you already called it. It's Jack Nicholson. Mm. Uh, but it's not for The Shining. It's actually One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right. I've seen this one on a couple lists. Yeah. I. It, he really could have gone in for either. 
Um, I just think The Shining is a little more over the top at times. Uh, and while I, I really enjoy the subtlety of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, additionally, by the end, <laughs> I mean, the sadness of it, uh, it, I, I just think he has a little bit more range in this one. Uh, he has to have this battle, you know, that he uh, kind of carries the film between him and the evil nurse, uh, him trying to encourage his fellow, uh, you know, institute, uh, the other people in the institute. And basically, throughout it, he just is so, like, encouraging and you know that he kind of is not a great guy, but you love him all the same. And I, I personally think it's Jack Nicholson's best performance. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen this one. Uh, it's one that I should. You know, as a psych major, I feel like you have to have this to be able to graduate. You have to be able to see this movie. I believe that's actually on the criteria. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's on the, the UK core. Yeah, it's the major. It's, <laughs> it's on the pathway. Yeah, but, you know, I haven't seen it. But I know it's one of those ones that I was, uh, as I was researching for this, I was, you know, universally top 50 performance of all time right there. Mm-hmm. All right, Ev, we're getting really close here. What's your number four? Number four is Lupita Nyong'o in Us. Oh, God. Playing playing Red Evan, in Adelaide. I'm, I'm turning off my mic for the next. Dude, you got to be kidding me. Evan, that's terrible. I'll say it. That's. Terrible. I mean, I could at least respect it if you said like twelve years a slave or something. I haven't Us? seen it. I haven't seen it. That's why. Don't make excuses. <laughs> Dear. You know what? Just say what you need to say. Just say just I'm turning around. Listen, guys, you know, first of all, I think part of it must have been me looking at like the behind the scenes of how this movie was made and, and her having to uh you know put herself through that like switch off from day to day of playing red. And playing Adelaide. And <laughs> sorry, guys, Grant is actually just groaning at me right now. This is just, I mean, I, I feel bad. This is awful. This might be the the beginning of the end of the podcast right here. This, you had a lot of bad takes. <laughs> this might be your worst one of all time. The fourth best performance of all time Dude, in the movie Us? Why are you, this is my, all right, this is our favorites, all you right? Know, You're turning you wanna, into one of those, those, those uh, Fairweather fans right now. Hey, it's what you're doing. If, if you wanted, if you, I can't even talk. If you like double performances so much, you should have just voted for the Parent Trap and Lindsay Lohan, pal. I mean, good God, I'm sick, dude. Why are you giving away my my top three here? <laughs> I mean, that's number three and number two right there. Uh, no, just carry on. But listen, guys, Adelaide or Lupita in this movie, absolutely insane. Yeah, I think that her, uh, uh, like, especially especially that final scene. Of her in the, the 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 tunnel, dude. I mean, come on. How can you not look at that and say this is absolutely in, insane? Maybe maybe the score has a little bit to do with it. Maybe I just love uh, Jordan Peele a lot. I think that might have something to do with it. But you know, that's this is one of those performances that I have always remembered. It's the reason why I watch Us probably like once every two months. It's it's just that good. A girl just. Taps on her face and opens her eyes wide a few times, and she's one of the top five performances of all time. What are you going to do? Listen, I'd, l- I'd like to see you do it, Grant. <laughs> there was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. What's your what's your number four, Grant? My number this better four, be good. Um, Otherwise, I'm giving you absolute crap. It's going to be good. All right. I mean, if you deny this, you're just going to have more mob uh, 
the other mob of people coming for so you. So help me God, if this is Leo and Wolf of Wall Street, okay. It's, not. it's Al Pacino and the Godfather. Okay. I can't say anything about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, his just quiet intimidation. I mean, I feel like I'm in the mob. Like, if I, I if I turn against the family, he's going to give me the kiss of death and kill me. Uh, it, there, there's just something in his eyes in this role. He can turn it on and turn it off so well. But, my Lord, when he turns it on, he finally becomes, like, the dawn. Uh, it's, it's scary. Um, there's a few scenes. I mean, I, I include the Godfather and the Godfather part two in this performance, you know, as John Rothstein says, we don't, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't acknowledge <laughs> the Godfather part three. Uh, but, uh, Al Pacino, I mean, there's multiple scenes, the scene, whenever he's protecting his father in the hospital and he kind of goes outside and it, he's becoming, uh, ordained within the family that's very powerful the obvious obvious scene uh that a lot of people look back to when he finds out his wife had an abortion i mean just the hatred in his eyes um al pacino this is his best role there's no way around it a lot of people think it's the greatest performance of all time uh this this movie's what made al pacino al pacino yeah i mean it's it's hard to argue with that everyone i mean you ask your your mom and your dad Who's a who's what's one of the best performances of all time? They're gonna mention Al Pacino in there. Yeah, give give me Michael Corleone over Tony Montana from Scarface every day of the week, baby. Yeah, uh, I mean, hard to say anything except for the fact that I've I can't really say too much. I haven't seen it all the way through, so yeah, I apologize for that, guys. Evan's taken so many L's on today's podcast. This is bad. I need to be stripped of my my movie watching. We're gonna have to get Robbie in here talking about submarine U five seventy one again. <laughs> About Monster, Monster University. University <laughs> top 10 film all time. <laughs> all right. Ev, we're now entering the top three. Hit me. What do you got? At number three, I've I've talked about this movie quite a bit, but never really now in, I'm just in depth. scared. Now I'm just scared what you're going to say. I've got uh, Natalie Portman in Black Swan. You know, I actually expected this from you, and I'm happy you put it on there. Yeah, I mean, her playing Nina. This is a bit of one of those. This is one of those movies that's just Oscar bait. I mean, it playing a double, uh, uh, having like a double performance, but it's not. I love those double performances. It's not as easy as like it's not an easy uh, double performance, such as like Lupita Nyong'o. This is one that's kind of like through Mila Kunis and her her character, mm-hmm. and dude, her. Nina's ability to be, to be innocent, however, have determination and just become absolutely unhinged at the very end is just absolutely, I mean, r- riveting to be able to see uh, her play this, but to try to remain grounded at the same time and her try to figure out how to achieve this type of like, gosh, I don't even know how, how to really describe it, but this type of, uh, you know, I think determination is really the only word that you can ha- have actually say and like this grit to do whatever it takes, no matter her innocence, no matter her uh, like ability to just forget whatever bullcrap is happening between uh, Vincent Castle, I think mm-hmm. is his name, and what he does to her. He's the director. And turn that into her performance as the Black Swan. It's one of those that I thought, I whenever the uh, screen turned black after this movie, I, I just sat in my room, like sat up, just like hunched over. For like 15 minutes. Just stared at yourself in the black screen. Dude, it was. 
It was insane. But uh, this is, yeah, Natalie Portman, probably one of the best to to ever do it in, t- in terms of female characters. She doesn't take a lot of roles uh, anymore, but this is one of those ones that's, that really sticks with me. Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and take my L. I have not seen this. Um, we've discussed this before. Uh, I will eventually get around to it, I swear to you all. Uh, but yeah, I, I know a lot of people will highly, highly respect and revere this role and this performance. Uh, Natalie Portman is phenomenal, has been since she was a kid, and most people assume, or not assume, but say that this was her peak of her career, so I can only imagine how great it is. Yeah, it's one of those ones that I don't think any other actress could ever do this performance, just because of Natalie Portman, her like her beauty and her grace, but yet also she, you can just tell like with the way that her personality is that there's like this, there's a little bit more to her character and it just reflects in, in this movie. It's just, it's, it's, it's insanity. All right. My number three. Yeah. And and I I know everybody's been wondering where's, where's Robert? (laughs) Where's Robert De Niro? Well, he's coming people. Cause my number three is taxi driver, Robert De Niro. Can I say something? Yeah. My number two is Travis Bickle. Yeah. From Taxi Driver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for all you non-Taxi Driver heads out that, there. Yeah, it's that, Robert. That's Robert De Niro's character. Yep. Uh, but let's talk about it, Ev. I mean, amazing. Uh, not only a mental performance, a physical performance. I mean, he got in shape. I mean, there's certain scenes of this film with, like, just, like, the veins in his arm. Uh, I will say one thing that maybe stopped this from being the number one performance for me was evidently I didn't know this, but the he didn't actually shave his head. That's not his hair. Uh, that's a bald cap. With, <sighs> I believe it's horse's hair. Really? The, the mohawk? Yeah. The mohawk. Oh, man. However, all the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he absolutely kills it in this role. Yeah, he... I mean, there's, uh, like, loneliness. We talked about that uh, a while ago. You are talking about the the writer was talking about this a specific theme. Mm-hmm. And who was the writer of this? Paul Schrader. Yeah, Paul Schrader. And, I mean, this is just the epitome of it. You can see that through his, uh, his time in his room where all he has, like, he's got this little trash apartment in, uh, in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Is New York. And he just, you know, just up there. By, by his lonesome, it, he's, like, not doing anything besides just, like, working out, running around, portraying these other people. Slowly going crazy. Yeah, and I think his, his uh, the creepiest part about it is that he always kind of wears a smile no matter what he's doing, no matter, like, what bullcrap he just went through. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a very eerie performance, but you can't help but just be like, this is, I just witnessed greatness on the screen. Yeah, he's uh, fantastic. I mean, I've seen it, I think, three times now, but the most recent time was probably about a month ago. And every time it just gets better. He's he's just unbelievable in the role. Uh, every single thing about him is Travis Bickle. There, You cannot see Robert De Niro there. Um, and whether it's just small little interactions with, like, women or up to trying to assassinate a political figure, this guy's just a creep. Uh, and he plays it so well. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's something very nuanced about the performance in these quiet moments that you just have to come to respect as an actor. You're like, wow, this dude is crazy good. Yeah, I mean, he. You, it's almost like you can see, like, 
the fact that Robert De Niro was able to move on from this character and have so many other great characters in, uh, like, whether that be Raging Bull or wh- whether that be, like, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Casino. Yeah, Casino. Yeah. Like, uh, that just goes to show you that he's the greatest of all time whenever yeah. it comes to, to acting. Because, uh, like, his, it's something that, you know, not everyone turns into Travis Bickle, but everyone at some point in their life has, like, this this want to do something greater, like this ability to, like, help somebody out. And, you know, Travis Bickle's just trying to figure that out. He uh, finds Jodie Foster, who's a 12-year-old prostitute, and goes on to, like, just put a safety net around her. And he achieves that uh, throughout whatever happens at the ending, that God-blessed ending. (laughs) My gosh. Something special. It really is. But, you know, that... It really just puts like a, a bow tie on this Travis, Travis Bickle character that, you know, that performance by De Niro is all time. Yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. Well, I guess I'll do my number two now. Yep. Uh, it's Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood. Uh, it, Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing. I, there for a second, I went through a phase where I thought he was the greatest actor of all time. Mm. I was a fool because, I mean, Robert De Niro exists in this yeah. world. But I would say he's probably, in my opinion, top three. Uh, he's another guy who takes very specific roles. He does not, uh, you know, you won't be seeing him making Jack and Jill. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Al. But uh, <laughs> Danny Day-Lewis is phenomenal in this film. I think he it's based in like the early 1900s, late 1800s. He's an oil man. And... Uh, <laughs> He plays just this deep, submerged, hateful man who's eventually overtaken by greed so well. And it's such a kind of quiet performance for the most part. And then he just has these scenes where he breaks out and is loud and powerful. Uh, And he's another guy where, and I think this is some of the best performances, where you can literally feel intimidated through the screen by him. Um, He just feels so big. Uh, you know, he f- you feel like he's going to reach out and beat you up in your room or something. Uh, he's just phenomenal from his voice to his mannerisms. Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood is one of the greatest performances of all time. Yeah, uh, this might possibly be the biggest L I've taken so far in the podcast. <laughs> no, you're number four movie. <laughs> but I, I haven't seen I haven't seen There Will Be Blood all the way through. Again, I I know I've seen those one scenes of Daniel Day Lewis just absolutely screaming. Yeah, the, the classic church scene of, uh, I abandoned my boy. Yes, yeah, yeah, that one. It's just I mean it's all over film talk. It's it's just absolutely ridiculous. But film uh, talk loves a good DDL impression. I have heard that that this is kind of similar to uh, kind of similar to Daniel Day Lewis's character in uh, Gangs in New York, Bill the Butcher, mm-hmm. and how he's just this man that everyone fears and how he's just bigger than life. He's bigger than the, than the community. I could see that actually. I never made that correlation before, but when you put it that way, I mean, that's all true for sure. Yeah. I mean, Bill the Butcher is another one of those uh, characters that are performances that I thought about putting on here, but I felt like there's other Daniel Day Lewis performances that should be on there. Like uh, there's a movie that I really want to see called my left foot Mm -hmm. where he plays a guy with uh, cerebral palsy. And I've seen, I saw that on a lot of top 10, like top five on a lot of these, uh, these movie, uh, rankings. It was very close for me to put that on mine. Uh, I just, 
I don't know. I, I personally think for sure that there will be blood as a better performance. Yeah. Um, because my left foot is obviously so physical yeah. of a performance. It may have been more difficult to do, but there will be blood, I believe, more emotionally like leaves people just like what in the world did I just witness? Yeah. Uh, and also Daniel day Lewis is in retirement right now. He said that he's done acting, but then again, my man says that all the time. He, I think he's done that like the past three <laughs> films that he's made. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm done because he, uh, like his method is so ridiculous. Like he was, uh, in one movie, he was a, uh, a shoe, a cobbler. Yeah. Shoe cobbler. And he literally went to go live in Europe and was a shoe cobbler for five years. Yeah. I mean, he'll put years of his life into a role. It's just absolutely insanity. But, you know, I respect it. I appreciate that he's he's doing that. I really wish I could see more of him mm. just because he is one of the greatest. Like, he's one of the most talented actors there ever was. I won't say greatest just because he's only been in, like, ten films or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, dude, he, Daniel Day-Lewis uh, is insane. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like the Tracy McGrady of acting, you know? It's like, <laughs> this guy at his peak was fantastic. <laughs> but... He doesn't have the portfolio some other people do. But Dang. in a way, that's kind of admirable because then you got, you know, Robert De Niro doing, like, Bad Grandpa and the internship, and it's like, dear God, why are you diluting your beautiful career? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I respect it. Evan, it's that time. It is that time. Number one performance of all time. What is it? Oh, gosh. This is about as film bro as it gets. Oh, God. What do we got here? What do we got? But I've got Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Wow. Okay. I, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. I was trying to lead people on to thinking it was, I was going to say Leo in, in Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I will say that is a great performance. It's just Wolf of Wall Street is, is one of those movies that I'm just like, it's just so over the top and so ridiculous where I'm like, is was the performance really good or is this a movie that I've just been like gaslighted into thinking is one of the greatest <laughs> of all time? Yeah. Uh, as a, as a as a college male, but uh, enough about Leo. But uh, dude, this movie has got everything. You got Russell Crowe, who portrays you know, he's just vengeful is probably the best way to describe this character, and his ability to be so grounded yet know how powerful he really is, and to only show that in specific moments, and his ability to be able like this, he has this voice of reason. But he also has this other side of him that is so dark, and he wants to uh, wants to give back the hatred mm-hmm. that has been shown to him uh, as uh, from whatever Joaquin Phoenix's uh, name is in this movie. But he's the emperor the of Rome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you've discussed like physically a person playing two roles and how impressive it is. But Russell kind of plays two characters here. Um, but like emotionally speaking, because like you mentioned, he does have this person who is just on an absolute revenge path, torched earth, yeah, uh, kill everyone in his way. However, at the end of the day, he has morals and mm. he wants to help these other gladiators and people like uh, what's the actor's name uh, from Blood Diamond? Oh, Jimon Hansu. Yes, yes, I yes, mean, yes. So like you can see his friendliness with a person like that. Uh, so he his. Performance here is very split, uh, but that makes it all the better. Yeah, I mean, he's just uh, typical. I mean, like quite literally like a small-town guy that's literally supposed to go out and rule Rome even though he wants to, but that's exactly why he has to. That's a quote from the movie that mm-hmm. people use all the time now. 
But I think this this performance, if you watch this and you are not just absolutely amazed by it, and the probably one of the best like character arcs of all time. Yeah. To literally be at the top, go back down to the bottom, and then finish at the top, then like you it's know, pretty fire, dude. It's, I mean, my testosterone just absolutely was <laughs> raging. Just through the room. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Evan grew a beard while he was <laughs> watching this film. I started sweating just profusely. It, yeah. it was the most disgusting thing ever. But this this uh, performance, it's one that I I think about often. You know. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I think I'm ready to hear you number one. I'm so excited for this. I think you know it. Do you not? Oh gosh, is it going to be? Uh, I guess don't guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll say it. I don't think you'll be surprised. It's Robert De Niro and Raging Bull. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I absolutely admire this performance. Um, I think it's Robert De Niro's best. While stuff like Taxi Driver and Goodfellas and all that. Uh, is obviously phenomenal. Raging Bull is just, it's in a league of its own. Um, he, For one, the dedication. I mean, we were speaking about Daniel Day-Lewis and what he does for his roles. Robert De Niro did that and tenfold for this. He put on, I believe it was 50 pounds of real weight, Gosh. which they didn't want to let him do, but he did it. Uh, and you, you can see it in the film. I mean, he doesn't even look like the same person. He actually trained with Jake LaMotta, the person he played as a boxer. And Jake LaMotta, when he was done, said that uh, Robert De Niro could be a professional middleweight. Um, Gosh. He, he, he had three professional boxing fights in New York. Robert De Niro did. Uh, I mean, he did everything for this role. And then you go to the emotional side and just the insecurity, the selfishness, the uh, aggressiveness – I mean, he's like a caged animal in this movie, and when you let him out, it just it, he explodes, and it's awesome to see on screen. Uh, I, I've discussed this scene before, but um, you know, we there's always kind of a defining scene, defining scene for an actor when you talk about a great role, and for him, it's definitely to me when he gets thrown in the prison and just starts kind of finally letting out all that anger and more so self anger when he's punching a wall and headbutting a wall and talking to himself. Uh, he's just amazing in this film, and I think it's, to me, undeniably the best performance of all time. Yeah, it's uh, one of those that, it again, top five, every single one of the, the lists that I saw. Yeah. Uh, I think that, actually, the the duality of man is what, like, I think that, that perfectly portrays yeah. uh, Jake LaMotta in this, in this movie and uh, Robert De Niro's performance. And the fact that he was like he was able to move on from this performance, and actually like not be absolutely insane after training to be a boxer, where <laughs> yeah. you literally want to like, like you want to knock the person out yeah. that you're fighting against, is is ridiculous. And then also like you're like, okay, I have a movie to do and I have to act. Yeah, being able to rein it in. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous to, to think about like being on set with this man every single day. And then him having to go out and perform and then be an actual human being afterwards. I mean, that's the, it's just unreal to, to think about. Yeah. And I mean, shout out to Scorsese because obviously it takes a great director to be able to rail that the way you want it to be, uh, go. But De Niro's one of the best and most professional in the business. Uh, and I just, the amount of respect I have for this performance is phenomenal. 
once again, it's just, it's in the eyes. Uh, you can see it and he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, is, is this on Criterion channel? It is not. It's not? No. Dang. Well, I guess I'm going to have to drop the 10 bucks to watch it on uh, HP. Or no, you it's can on probably a- watch it on Prime Video for like four bucks, rent it. Maybe I'm gonna have to just because I I mean you you got me fired up now it's it's amazing yeah it's amazing uh yeah that's our top ten guys uh I, I was pretty satisfied for the most part Ev. I liked your list you know minus we're just gonna forget the whole us thing but the other nine fantastic I I can't believe this this hatred but I this guess is, I'll allow it if I got nine out of ten uh, of ones that are acceptable that's I'm still okay with that's it. still an A and that's all we're going for, that's baby. right that's right. Uh, yeah, so that was our top 10. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I'm sure everyone has their own. There's so many performances, so many great performances, and that's why we love film. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go over to our after show, and I hope you guys join us over there. Yeah, see y'all there. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. We couldn't have planned this better. All right, thank you guys for joining us here in the after show. We're actually doing something a little bit different today because uh, there's a big release coming out this week. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Batman, uh, and we're pretty excited for it. We're both going to be seeing it in theaters before our next podcast, and we recommend you guys to do so too because we're going to be discussing The Batman on our next podcast. Yeah, and guys, I mean, don't let the don't let you don't convince yourself that this movie is overhyped. It is going to be absolutely insane going to be so good it's going to be it's, it's going to be a long movie but it's going to be some of the best acting some of the best directing some of the most gritty thing gritty uh uh performances. performances of all time robert pattinson don't he's not uh edward from twilight anymore yeah, yeah. put some respect on his name of he he's he's the gosh dang batman <laughs> and I'm, I'm pumped for <laughs> he's it he's freaking bruce wayne uh yeah i mean you got him you got zoe kravitz you got Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, uh, all these guys supposedly just give amazing, amazing performances. It's sitting at an eighty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a nine point one out of ten on IMDb. That's actually just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll have to go down because uh, if it stays there, it's probably the number one film on IMDb. Yeah, uh, but it, it's going to be amazing. It's very gritty. People are saying it's a lot, kind of like Seven. It's like a detective film, but with Batman. Uh, so very unique vision for Matt Reeves, and we're super excited to watch it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're definitely we're going to be spoiling it for you guys after a little bit of talking about like our general thoughts about it next week. Yeah. So you guys need to watch that movie. Yeah, we don't want to, you know, ruin it for you. So uh, hopefully, if you can get out there and watch right. it, and then we're going to have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. That's really all we have for you this time. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun for us. Uh, you know, top 10 performances. It's just a good kind of convo you can have with other movie people right. and sit around and on your couch and argue for days about it if you really wanted to. Uh, but, you know, with all that said, if you ever need anything, you give us a holler. We'll see you guys next time. See y'all. Bye. Stop. <laughs>